Ignite your life with passion and purpose. Your health, your wealth, your happiness. Make it good. This is Modern Love with Dr. Brenda Wade. A big thank you to Rainbow Grocery, our favorite grocery store here in the San Francisco Bay Area, for being our sponsor, because a healthy body is a sexy body. Yes, modern lovers, hello. I have a question for you. What's the one thing that wildly successful people do that we mere mortals and average people don't do? Well, this may surprise you. They neither make nor accept excuses. That's what our guest today is going to talk with us about. No more excuses. Maybe today is your day to declare no more excuses and to truly go for what you want. Prosperity, success, and above all, true love and true prosperity, which is more than just money. You all know that. That's why here at Modern Love, we know that love requires that we train our brains, we train how we speak, we train ourselves across every dimension, body, emotions, mind, and spirit, to be ready, able, and, of course, willing to accept true love, create true love, and keep true love and true prosperity in our lives. The second Saturday of every month, we have a live intensive training here at our Modern Love Training Center You can go to Eventbrite right now and find out more about our July event. It will be the second Saturday of July. And, of course, we are going to knock it out of the park working with breaking free of excuses for having problems in our love lives. So you can grab the early bird ticket right now. It's regularly $297. The early bird ticket is $127. Get yours, bring a guest, and visit me at www.drbrendawade.com, and I look forward to meeting you in person at our Modern Love Academy. Now, we have our Dear Dr. Brenda question, and keep those questions coming in. Today is, is kind of a sad one. It says, I recently began dating a close friend. We've been friends for two years. I'm going to call him Artie. We talked about marriage, and he really wanted children. However, fly in the ointment, Artie has a very close relationship with his ex who lives five minutes away. They socialize at least twice a week. He fought the divorce but says he's relieved that the two of them can be friends. I love Artie, but I told him that I think I, not his ex, should be his best friend. And he gently told me that's out of the question and that I could expect to see her at all family holiday celebrations and other functions, including our wedding. We ended our relationship as amicably as possible, but I'm devastated. Was I reasonable? Wounded in Tacoma. Oh, Tacoma. Tacoma aroma. I know it well. The smell of the pulp mills, because I went to school at the University of Puget Sound in Tacoma, and what you just told me stinks to high heaven just like the pulp. Look, 
you weren't unreasonable. Artie was unreasonable. To expect you to come into his life and to become his life partner and have children with him, but that his ex is going to always be his best friend? No, that's unreasonable. You were smart not to sign up for that crooked deal and not smell anymore of the aroma. Good work, Tacoma. Now, you have to get clear going in on whether someone is truly, fully available for relationship. Artie was never fully available. He was clinging to his ex like a security blanket. So make sure you do a better job scouting next time before you accept any discussions of marriage because you said he'd been your friend for two years, so guess what? You knew it was like this, so I'm not blaming you. I just want you to do a better job. Maybe our guest today has some information that's going to help you. Our guest is Margaret Bradley, who's a Ph.D. psychologist who has an outstanding track record helping individuals and teams to reach big goals fast. They seek her expertise when the deadlines are short and the expectations are tall. She grew up in a Navy family, which is a no-excuse environment if ever there was one, and went on to work in the culture of a nuclear utility. So she's got a really unique perspective on what she calls excuse-proofing. All right, welcome to the show, Margaret. Great to have you with us. Thank you very much for inviting me to join you. It's a pleasure. Yeah, so your new book is Woulda, Coulda, Shoulda, Rapid Results, No Excuses. So tell us how you got interested in this whole idea of no excuses. I had always really wanted to write a book, and I had, as you mentioned, lots of years in the corporate world and conducting programs, speeches, workshops, and participants said, you should write a book. And friends said, you should write a book. And every time they asked about progress, I said, oh, I haven't quite gotten there yet. And I think that my real interest and the push that I needed came from going to a dinner party. I went to a dinner party and people were talking about vacation plans or their jobs. And I listened and I heard them make so many excuses. And then I listened to myself when they asked me, well, how's your book coming? And I said things like, oh, I don't have time. I have a full-time job. I don't know how. I'm caring for my elderly parents. And suddenly I thought, oh, there's my topic. There's my focus. What could they do and what could I do to move ahead? What was holding us back? Excuses. So when you were growing (laughs) up, What was the environment like in your family? You were in a Navy family. What was the environment about excuses in the family? Oh, I'm sure that your military listeners and those who grew up in similar families know there are are no excuses. Um, The military member does not make them, and they are not tolerated. I know, for example, my brother and I used to tease each other and say things like, you know, DBL, don't be late. There was no such thing as being late, and there's definitely no such thing as making an excuse. It was sort of a tenant of way of of operating, of living, was say what you're going to do and make sure you're going to do it. Don't ever make an excuse. So you really were reaching back to something you'd learned in childhood. Now, was that ever something that felt oppressive 
triggered or maybe left out your feelings or a day off or something like that from the perspective of being a little girl growing up like that? I love your question. I think as a little girl, I didn't know that there was any other way. But now that I'm older, I look back and I think, geez, that was kind of hard. (laughs) There was a very high bar. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't the same for civilian families because I didn't, you know, I went to school with um, people who were not military and didn't have military families. And there was a contrast. And it seemed to me that sometimes an excuse would come in real handy and make my life easier. So, yes, I, I think you're absolutely right. It was challenging. Yeah, it, it was sounds good, like it. It was challenging. Yeah, it also sounds like for a child, you know, because children certainly have enough to do just with growing up and the brain developing and all the rest of it. You can't be perfect all the time, and it will be hard for a child to hold that. So when you are working with people, do you make room for the human side and say, okay, you can have 10% and 90% is on or 80% is on and 20 is off? Do you do anything like that? Or is it all in, no excuses, darn it? I think that I my work has shown me that there is room for an excuse. And it certainly is interesting when you consider life through the lens of what's your excuse style? Because I think different people have different excuse styles, and with your background, I'm sure that you appreciate it's kind of related to some personality traits. And tell us more about the excuse styles. What are they? Oh, well, I think an excuse style really describes how willing are you to make excuses and accept them. And the one that you and I just talked about with the Navy family was a life full of people I have called excuse conquistadors. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Remember, what, was it about the fifth grade that we learned about Cortez and landing with troops and telling the troops to burn the ships? Because he said, if we go back home to Spain, we're going to go back on their ships. No excuses. You don't have any choice. To me, that's an excuse conquistador. And just what you said, it's harsh. It's sort of plan the work, work the plan. Mm -hmm. And it comes in handy for environments that stress safety or perhaps military environments. I myself, I think, are closer to one of the other two styles. The second one I call the situational excuser. And that's somebody who sometimes makes excuses because their favorite phrase is, it depends. I think they look at the facts and then they decide what to do. Um, In fact, I think a quote from somebody who long ago played in the NFL, whose name was Larry Cole, and he had a wonderful quote, and it said, anyone can have an off decade, any kind of (laughs) maybe observation, (laughs) not really an excuse, and then tackle the problem. (laughs) Wow. And I think probably the third one is uh, was a – I could relate to the most, and that's an excuse optimizer. And that's somebody who is open to new experiences, and they don't make excuses as much as they go for it and then have a plan B. Oh, I see. Marilyn Monroe, I think, had a great quote when she said, did you ever notice that what the hell is usually the right answer? 
you know, it's go for it. Then I'll worry about what whether the hell I is the right answer. Oh my goodness! So what the hell? Why not? Let's do Why it. not? Go for it. Okay. So that's the excuse optimizer who just says what the hell and dives in, but they also have a plan B. Yes, and I think to them an excuse is kind of like their plan B. You know, I'll do it, and if it didn't work out, maybe I'll make an excuse later. And hmm. I think it's it's interesting if you look at the different types of excuse styles, that there's a different tolerance for excuses. There are different places where the styles work the best, but also just being aware what yours is and what somebody else's is that might differ from yours helps with one of your favorite topics, communications and moving forward. So how do you figure out, Say, for example, because, of course, this is Modern Love Radio, you're in a relationship, and you're having some friction. You're having some some issues. How would you use the figure out the excuse strategy or the excuse style of that person? How would that help a couple that may be having trouble communicating? I think if you're aware of the style and their tendency to make the excuses, You understand where they're coming from, and also it gives you, I think, some freedom to ask some questions. Can you tell me the reason behind the excuse? Um, What's holding you back? How can I help? Uh, I think when you talked about the uh, answer to the question about Arnie, it was kind of better to know than not to know (laughs) what, what his excuses were all about and that he was kind of going to keep making them. His situation was such that he did keep making them, and it wasn't a good match for the person who wrote the letter. Yeah, not at all. My goodness. Come into a relationship already marginalized and having somebody tell you you're not as important as someone else. Not Not a a good good deal. (laughs) No, not at all. And I'm glad she got herself out of it. So if you were giving advice, to someone who had a problem with excuses, what would you tell them? What would be your first step? I think the very first step would be to ask yourself questions. Why are you making the excuse? What's behind it? And what can you, what would you like to do to solve, solve the problem? Because I think an excuse sometimes is a red flag. That there Give us an example of a, a situation where uh, you would go in and help somebody deal with solutions. I think it's easier sometimes for people to get it if they can apply it to something specific. Well, I think one of um, my favorite examples came when I was writing Woulda, Coulda, Shoulda, and I did some interviews, and I interviewed a client, uh, an attorney, and I asked him, I said, do lawyers ever make excuses? And he thought about his own career, and he said, yes, um, lawyers do make excuses. And I said, well, when are they most likely to do it? And his insight was, well, when I think about it, they make the most excuses most often for not calling their clients back. And he thought about his own life, and he said, you know, I don't call my clients back. And then he started thinking about the reason behind his excuses, for not calling the clients back, and he said, I don't like them. (laughs) I really don't like my clients. And then he thought about it some more, and he said, I don't like practicing law. And at 68 years old, he resigned from the bar 
and started a recording studio. Oh, my because goodness. He, <laughs> and he found out, uh, I did not know this, but uh, when you resign from the bar, you can't get back in unless you retake the bar exam, which would be probably a pretty big challenge this late in life. And when he looked at his own excuses and he looked at his own behavior, when he discovered the reason behind them, he made a big life change. And he's mm-hmm. he's happy. <laughs> wow. I can imagine he'd be a lot happier if music is his passion, which clearly it must have been all along. Yes. So what you're saying is when we're making excuses, there could be something behind it. There could be something that we need to discover if we ask, why am I doing this and why am I making an excuse for it? And what do I need to do about it? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, with your background that you would probably agree with me, it's important to know the reason but it's also important to explore the emotion that you had when you made the excuse, because that can be a clue, too, to what to do next. In what way? Well, did you make the excuse, as most people did, for example, out of fear? And you could say, hmm, what did I fear? You know, Did I fear success? Did I fear failure? Was it just the unknown? And it felt safer to make an excuse than to try something new. And then you can tackle the fear itself. Ah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Tackle fear itself. And discover, now this is where the deep work comes in, discover the source of the fear. Discover the source of the feeling and work directly with that. Exactly. So, really, excuses can be useful. You can learn something from making excuses. It's not all bad. You're absolutely right, because I at first played with the idea of, oh, maybe the book should be something like, you know, how to harness the power of excuses. And so many people were taken back to say, oh, can, what do you mean harness the power? You know, can an excuse be a good thing? And then I thought, woulda, coulda, shoulda kind of <laughs> described it more aptly. But I right. think you're absolutely right. An excuse can be a red flag. Now, what are the situations where people are most likely to make excuses and let themselves off the hook when actually they should be accountable? Oh, what a wonderful question. I think that besides making them out of fear, a lot of people make excuses out of habit. In fact, readers have told me that woulda, coulda, shoulda helped them just be aware that they were making them. They didn't even realize the excuses that they were making themselves. And I was um, surprised and delighted that a lot of people bought the book because they said suddenly they were aware of the excuses of the people around them, like their family or their team or their colleagues. I think another reason that people make excuses is you one that you alluded to earlier, and that's perfectionism. Oh, I'm afraid I'm going to make an excuse, so I'm not going to accept your invitation, or I'm not going to try something new. So it's their um, failure. That exactly. Yes, yes. And I think All that's right, a so, real big one. So what would you leave us with when it comes to no more excuses? What is it you really want us to discover in this process from what it could have should it? <laughs> I would say that there are several important ways to stop your own excuses before you ever make them. Mm-hmm. And 
one good way, and it certainly focuses on relationships, is I would recommend doing a people audit. And this comes as a surprise to a lot of people. Yeah, what's a if, people audit? <laughs> if you just took that, I've asked people to take out a piece of paper and just write down the names of their five best friends or more to the point, the five people they spend the most time with. And a lot of people, for them, they go, oh, my gosh, you know, and I use the same name five times? No. <laughs> or could I put down the names of pets? No. Who are the five people you spend the most time with? And as part of your people audit, realize that it's been said that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Be careful who your friends are. You become just like them. Mm-hmm. And ask yourself if the people on the list, do they take risks? Do they take chances? Are they willing to throw themselves into new relationships? Or or are they likely to make excuses and say negative things? Mm -hmm. And sometimes they make them for themselves, and it's contagious. And sometimes I've seen people make them for other people. For example, I overheard somebody the other day, and I think you'll appreciate this, as far as a self-development, the person said, oh, I've really started this new diet and exercise program because I want to lose weight. And the person replied, oh, don't lose weight, you'll wrinkle. (laughs) (laughs) That's That's an incredible excuse. What should you do? What should you do? We have to just shut it down in about two minutes. But what should you do when you hear an excuse like that? I think that if the people on your list are people who have a bad attitude, a contagious attitude, a bad excuses and make a lot of them, I think that you need to be like another friend who calls me and said, I'm so glad you answered the phone. I need my PBD. And I said, great, what's that? And she said, personal board of directors. And I think you need to make a concerted effort to surround yourself with positive people who want to see you succeed. I think my book helps, but I also think your show helps. And well, I appreciate that. I know that we have a lot of wonderful guests like you with interesting topics. And one of the things that's most important is that there are words we have to keep in mind that will prevent us from making excuses. What would, what would those words be? I think that... A lot of people like me enjoy quotes to help them stay focused. I have the old-fashioned unremodeled kitchen with metal cabinets, and they're covered with quotes, and a lot of them I put in my book. And, for example, one of my favorites was, excuses will always be there, opportunity won't. Mm. Or you have three choices in life, give in, give up, or give it all you've got. <laughs> give in, like give it. up, or give it all you've got. Oh, you've got That's it. good. No excuses. I can work with that. <laughs> that sounds great. Well, Margaret, thank you. I want everyone to have your website, and the website is rapidresultsnoexcuses.com. That's rapidresultsnoexcuses.com. And our guest is the author of Woulda, Coulda, Shoulda, Rapid Results, No Excuses. And we are talking to Margaret R. Bradley. PhD, such a pleasure to have you as a guest. 
And what can we expect from a life with no more excuses? Success. Success. No regrets. Sleep better Success at night. And no regrets. And have fun. Love it. <laughs> I love it. Okay, sleeping better, having fun. Big thank you to Mr. LeGrand Green, who is our executive producer, Mr. Cliff Dunning, our associate producer. And huge, huge thank you to all of you modern lovers. Take action now. No excuses. You deserve the best love life, the highest level of prosperity. Go to Eventbrite right now. Take action. Register yourself for our July 9th live event. Or follow me on social media, Dr. Brenda Wade, for your daily hit of inspiration, information to move you down the path and accelerate your results with love and money. Blessings, everyone. Attention shoppers, there are just 100 fun days of summer. Stay cool and order at smartandfinal.com. They'll deliver everything you need for epic summer fun in less than two hours. Because pro fun makers like you know that Smart and Final has fresh local organics, club sizes, party supplies, and everything you need to make your barbecue or big dinner the hot dog diggity best. With prices up to 25% lower than supermarkets. Now, first street fresh chicken drumsticks, thighs, or leg quarters are just 79 cents a pound in the value pack limit four. Party with gusto summer people at Smart and Final. Attention shoppers, there are just 100 fun days of summer. Stay cool and order at smartandfinal.com. They'll deliver everything you need for epic summer fun in less than two hours. Because pro fun makers like you know that Smart and Final has fresh local organics, club sizes, party supplies, and everything you need to make your barbecue or big dinner the hot dog diggity best. With prices up to 25% lower than supermarkets. Now, First Street Fresh Chicken Drumsticks, Thighs, or Leg Quarters are just 79 cents a pound in the value pack limit four. Party with gusto summer people at Smart and Final.